Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. We'll have the pregame uh, show starting at 5.30 tonight. The Edmonton Oilers and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Oilers' second-last preseason tilt. Edmonton's 4-1. and one. Cam Talbot getting the night off. Uh, but the Oilers will have several of the big boys going, including Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent, Hopkins, Ty Ratty. They've got 19 points in two preseason games. It's just preseason. All right, as promised, and we have been... Uh, Working on this for a while. Uh, in our never-ending search for constant improvement on our show, product, product, product. We try to get you the best guests we possibly can, and we think we've landed uh, the biggest free agent of the offseason. Uh, he started doing uh, media work again with uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet last year during the playoffs. Longtime NHL executive. Brian Burke. Uh, Brian's segments are presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefab and solar. Without further ado, we are pleased to welcome to Oilers Now, Brian Burke. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? I'm uh, I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. I, I'm hoping this is going to be some, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun time. And just to start off with, uh, welcome to the show. And maybe just uh, take me through, uh, you know, you made a decision towards the end of last season. I know you've done some media work in the past. Uh, and you're going to start firing some stuff up right away here this week. But uh, how did it go last year for the playoffs when you step back into sort of uh, back in front of the camera? Well, when they first first off, it's an honor to be on the show, and it's an honor to be in the uh, Edmonton market. is fantastic. I, I would have bet you a lot of money a year ago. I would never have anything to do with the market in Edmonton, given the fact that I worked in Calgary, given the fact that Kevin Lowe and I had such a public spat a few years back, which we've mended that sense, by the way. Yes. But uh, when Ken King hired me, you know, it's a novel structure. Uh, not, not many teams have a president of hockey operations, and we agreed we'd look at it each year. At the end of the year, um, the team felt we should go a different direction. I think with Donnie Maloney coming on, some of my usefulness had been uh, had been reduced. So I remember when we hired Don Maloney, I told Ken, I'm going to be redundant here someday. Donnie Maloney's a great guy. He's really smart. So um, I reached out to Sportsnet. I said, are you interested in having someone work in the playoffs? And they said, yes. 
and they kind of got to test drive me that way. And then uh, they asked me to stay on for the coming year, and I'm going to do uh, the Wednesday night broadcast, the national broadcast, and uh, different stuff, uh, different markets on Thursday and Friday, then hockey night, second game, uh, pregame, and second game, and then um, and then off for three days. So it's four days on and three off. It's like a firefighter. All right. Well, yeah, you know, and uh, we have Louis DeBrusque at twelve thirties on uh, Thursday, and we're going to have you at one thirties uh, Alberta time on Thursday. So we've got a uh, tough guy uh, Thursdays uh, with a lot of truculence, and I know you're a big fan of Louis, and uh, Louis working that late show as well. So that's all going to uh, tie in uh, nicely. Uh, you know, we you, you mentioned the uh, the Kevin Lowe thing, and the interview with Kevin was actually on my show uh, before I worked for the Oilers back in two thousand eight at another time in another place. Uh, but that's the neat, like, you know, when you're a guy and you're an old school romantic, you get over these things, don't you? You move on. Like, that c- kind of comes with the territory, doesn't it? No, I think hockey players are famous for carrying grudges, and I don't think that's one of would have gone away except for my son. Right. Brendan, my, my late son. He heard me uh, one time I was ripping Kevin to somebody on the phone, and I hung up and he said, why are you still carrying this feud on? I said, Brendan, we're Irish. I expect you to carry all my grudges on after I'm gone. And he said, I don't approve. So after he, after his accident, right. I called Steve Tamalini. I said, just don't let Kevin know we got to mend that fence. And we have. Yeah. Kevin's a great guy. But uh, what started, he was on your show, and he kind of challenged me to a fight. He said, anywhere, anytime. And it really set me off because I was still steaming about the Dustin Penner deal. So right. I, uh, I was in my backyard in Newport Beach. And uh, because my cell phone worked better in the backyard, I did not know it, but my ex-wife was at the kitchen sink and heard the whole thing. I thought I was talking privately. I called Flats. I said, that guy challenged me to a fight last night. That's not how you challenge someone to a fight. I said, this is how you challenge someone to a fight. You call Kevin and tell him I'm going to Lake Placid on August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I'm staying at the Holiday Inn. It was USA Hockey at a tournament there, a little thing. And I said, I'm staying at the Holiday Inn. You tell him to get his ass there, I'll run a barn, I'll kick the living crap out of him, and I'll drive him to the hospital. So I don't know afterwards. My wife said to me, are you crazy? First, first off, Batman will suspend both of you guys before you even know what happened. If he finds that, he'll put a stop to it anyway. I said, "This, this is you stay out of this. I said, if he shows up... He shows up in my class, and we're going to go. And I said, I don't know if I can beat him, but it'll be a good fight. Well, one thing I loved about I Kevin... So, I don't know if she called if she called Gary Bettman or Slaff called Gary Bettman, but I got a call from Bettman about 10 minutes later saying, hey, I hear you thinking that it's following through on this. Don't. I'll suspend you both. There you go. Uh, I got a call from Frank Brown asking for the tape of the interview, and uh, I won't say who I talked to, but the guy was a lawyer at one time. He's moved on to far bigger and better things. He's like... You're not giving him the tape, <laughs> so I never did give him the tape, yeah. and so that's uh, funny. And you know, I I know you respected this about Kevin when he played. He didn't care if it was Bob Probert or Bob oh. Stopper. He was going to cross check that guy in the back when he was clearing the front of the net. That's how he played. So, two- and, and that's uh, and that's what, what what people say. Like, did you really challenge Kevin to a fight? I never challenged Kevin. I tried to get Slats to relay the news, but I would have fought him, and he. He's certainly not afraid of me at all. Like, no, no, no. what a minute. Uh, it's funny stuff. Well, it's great that, uh, you know, uh, you, you guys have uh, you, you've patched things up. Uh, I'm a big believer, Brian, in the battle uh, uh, for Alberta, not the battle of Alberta. These two teams, that you, as you know, at one time were in a little bit of trouble. 
Uh, Edmonton obviously got their deal done. I know you were a huge proponent of Calgary, uh, you know, getting things moving forward down there. So am I. In fact, I, you know, I, I might have pushed our fan base, uh, you know, Certainly, during the 2011, 2012, we were we were in a tough spot here, but we did ultimately get it done. And I know that, you know, the hope is eventually people in uh, you know city council in Calgary will come to their senses because the Flames do need a new facility, don't they, Brian? Yes, and the community needs a new facility. It's not just when I was there that the Flames need a new facility. The community does. The city of Calgary does. The, the number of concerts that skip Calgary now. And people don't go to concerts, they don't care, but it's part of the cultural fabric of a city. They need facilities to bid for certain things, they need facilities to host certain things, and the economic impact of a new building and the flames is massive. You're talking hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Uh, the, the biggest estimate, several hundred million a year. The lowest estimate, even the even one you would concede is not properly attributing the revenues and, and the growth that come from this, is, is somewhere around $60 million a year. So the city puts 60, $600 million into a building, said they paid for the whole thing. They recover that in 10 years in economic impact. So this notion, we're not going to use taxpayer dollars for millionaire players, I've never understood it. I don't understand it. Fortunately, people in Edmonton had a, had a longer view. And Calgary's chasing again. Brian Burke joining us in Oilers now. Bob Stauffer with you. Brian Burke's brought, uh, appearance is brought to you by Canadian Power Pack. Brian, you like the game played a certain way. It's evolving. I, I think that's fair to say. Now, that said, you still have to have the competitiveness and the drive as a player, don't you? Now, you still yeah. you still see some guys that can be remarkably skilled, but they can be dissuaded from performing. And so at the end of the day, you still got to have that fire. You still got to have that fire. Uh, I am a little concerned, and I've said this on national television, I'm a little concerned um, that our game is not physical enough. And, and people say, oh, you're just a dinosaur, you're a caveman. And I'm like, no, I really don't think I am. I think the average Canadian sees it exactly like I do, where physical contact is an important part of our game. And I worry the farther we go along toward the speed route, which is marvelous to watch, uh, and the less we, we start losing too much contact, it's not the game that people want to watch, is my view. And, and, and the playoffs restored my faith in the game last year. I, I thought regular season... A lot of pillow fights, a lot of flag football, uh, but the playoffs, the physical play came back in. And so uh, I'm not going to get up on that soapbox and, and, and rant and rave about it. I, I went to a Leafs preseason game the other night, and there weren't four hard body checks in that game, in my view. You, there's guys that could have played with two eggs in their pockets, played the whole 60 minutes, and not broken either one. The old uh, Harold Ballard line on Inga Hammerstrong, right? Went in the corner with a, a cart of eggs, and none of them were broken when he came out of it. We're joined yeah. by Brian Burke. Uh, remarkable skill. I'm going to get, you know, and, and this is a little bit of an Edmonton-centric uh, question, but our broadcast location was right next to where you guys sat during the games, and the Oilers uh, the last couple of years had a pretty good go against Calgary. They had won seven straight until the end of last season. Connor McDavid. Um, you've been around the game a long time in a multitude of roles, both with the league and with respective franchises. How special and a unique of a talent is he? Well, he, he's he's special, and he is unique. And he his assault on the record book has really just begun. This guy's got a chance to go down as the greatest player ever, possibly. And I know you don't want to hang that on a kid, but that, that possibility is very much alive with this kid. And one of the best things about not working for the Calgary Flames 
is I don't have to watch that kid kill our team. Like, I thought he played great against us. And I, you know who used to kill us? Taylor Hall used to kill us. That one, I hated why. I was so happy when he got traded. So with Connor, I think what sets him apart is, okay, he's big, he's got great hands, he's got good hockey judgment, all those things that most great players have. What sets him apart is his speed. He's a greyhound. And the average player has to slow down to make a play or shoot a puck or something. He can't do it at top speed. Top speed is a breakaway, pushing the puck with one hand in your stick, and that's your top speed, and you can't make a play like that. The average player cannot do it. This kid can make plays at top speed, and his top speed is faster than any other player in the league. I've only seen one guy, and only had one guy, yep. that could do that, and his name was Pavel Burry. Yeah, he was incredible. That's when you had the all, I mean, between you, Pat Quinn, and George McPhee, I think you guys had the toughest management team in the NHL, didn't you? Well, George was after me. He took my job. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a great thrill and a great privilege and a great honor to work for Pac-1. Yeah. very fortunate that I got to do that. Terrific, man. Uh, one thing that's evolved and changed since you've got more, you know, I grew up watching Canada and Russia, and I remember watching the 72 series with my dad as a young kid, and politically incorrect as it is today to say, you know, are the Russian, it, this is like the Cowboys and Indians, Canada, and my dad's like, no, no, th- you don't even get this, and you can't even use that term, right? But the, the, where I'm going with this is the Russians were the hated rivals for Canada. The United States has totally supplanted Russia, have, have they not? I mean, they are truly Canada's 1B to Canada's 1A. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. And they've done a, they've done a great job, and, and a lot of the things that USA Hockey did in those years, because obviously I was involved a great deal. I think I worked on 14 national and Olympic teams, World Cup teams, for Team USA, um, including a silver medal in Vancouver. And then was, uh, you know, obviously Canadians remember the golden goal. Well, the Americans remember the Canadian referee, Bill McCreary, kicking the puck to Jerome McGinley. But we've gotten over that, Bob. That's, that's water under the bridge. Um, what USA Hockey did basically initially was copy almost virtually everything that Canada did in terms of development. Now they've gone a different way. They went with the American development model about five years ago, uh, put more players on the ice, use workstations, use the ice time more efficiently, and it's had tremendous results. But people in Canada panic, and I'm a Canadian citizen. I, I know people in Edmonton don't know that much about me. I've been a Canadian citizen for 26 years. I became Canadian in 1992 and was thrilled, and still am. So this whole, the whole thing, we shouldn't panic about this because Canada, okay, it's the preeminent hockey nation in the world. It has always been, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. But the Canadian content in the league is probably going to continue to drop because of the Americans. There's more people in California than there are in Canada. So they should be producing players in greater numbers. But what I like about the U.S., you see in the Jason Zucker that came from Las Vegas, and, and not born in Las Vegas and moved to Detroit. When he was a kid, he grew up in Las Vegas, played his youth hockey in Las Vegas. You see kids from Texas in the NHL. You know, when I was growing up, the only players that played in the NHL, there were very few Americans, but they were all either from Michigan, Massachusetts, or Minnesota. That was it. Right. So it shows you the growth there. Brian, final question, and just a little bit of storytelling, if you could do it in a couple minutes. Uh, when you made the trade for Chris Pronger, involving Joffrey Lupul and uh, Ladislav Schmid, et cetera, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, grew up with Craig Lupul and, and knew him really well. I was actually out for lunch with him the Friday before he made the deal. It was consummated on the holiday Monday uh, in Canada on the long weekend. How, how, you already had Scott Niedermeyer at that point. 
Did you no. did you think you had enough on the back end, or did you think you needed? I mean, you you made the deal, you executed the trade, you won a Stanley Cup the next year. The Oilers got a bonus pick as a result that turned out to be Jordan Everly, so it worked out from the Oilers' perspective as well. But was there any hesitation because you already had you know a, a Hall of Fame defenseman Scott Niedermeyer who you'd signed as a free agent the year before? Well, it's a long story. I'll keep this part of it short, but someday we should use five minutes and tell a story because it is pretty interesting, I think. What had happened is that the draft, Edmonton had approached four teams with proposals to make a trade for Chris Barner. Right. And they asked for Smead, and they asked for Joffrey Lupul. Now, you got to remember, Laddie Smead was a very promising young player at that point in time, and Loops is, is, was a young star. Like We beat Colorado that year in the playoffs. We won one game 4 nothing. He scored all four goals. So Lupo was in hot demand. Like, this is not a, we stole a guy. You know, he turned out having big injury problems since, and Laddie Smead had to retire early. But they got fair value for that. And then Kevin was driving to the shoe swap, and he said, I'm handing you, I'm punching your ticket to the finals. I'm handing you a berth in the finals if I make this deal. I said, you're right, I think you are. We'll put another pick in there. We play in the finals, we get another pick. But, yeah, we had a meeting after we lost to Edmonton in the conference finals that year uh, in 06. And we said, "What do we need?" And everyone said, "Pronger. You get Pronger, we're going to have a we'll have a parade." And we did. Yep, you did the next year. Lupul had twenty eight goals that way by you know five yeah, six forty. Excellent for us. And you traded and for had a good guy too. And you traded for him again when you went to Toronto. Yep. So there you have it, Brian. We look forward to doing this every Thursday. Uh, thank you for taking time to join us here in Oilers. Now we'll be watching you uh, this weekend. Thank you. My pleasure. That is Brian Burke. Brought to you by. Our friends from Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefab and solar. We'll take a time out. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 153 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. All right, here we go. Text coming in. Uh, Graham says, Bob, uh, is Berkey the natural replacement for Don Sherry? I would say that is a distinct possibility. Out of cameras, a text comes in saying, every Thursday, Brian Burke, good poll, you guys. Another text out of Edmonton uh, saying, loving Berkey. There you go. You can text us at 630, 630. Uh, Bob, next time you have Berkey on the show, you should just let him tell stories. Well, that's that's the thing. We're going to let him go. It's part of the deal here. He's, it's storytelling and it's opinion. That's what we're looking for, Brian. He's had some pretty uh, remarkable experience. You heard what he said. The only player that he's had close to the same speed and skill as Connor McDavid was Pavel Burry. And he was spectacular back in the day. No question about that. All righty. Uh, we are going to go to this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company with a great winter package to Jamaica with the afternoon news, Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. It departs in January. Uh, on this day, 2006, the Oilers sign free agent defenseman Sebastian Bissayon. He appeared for two games for the Oilers and now plays for Grenoble in France. He played two games at the end of the 06-07 season. The Oilers were so injured on defense that they had actually reached out at one point to get hold of Gavin McLeod, 
who had not played the entire 06-07 season. He's a former captain of the Alberta Golden Bears already. We'll have the uh, City Ford Faceoff show with Reed Wilkins tonight at 5.30. Puck drop at 7 p.m. Uh, Brendan Ulrich and Brendan Escott will have Oilers now for you tomorrow. I'll have tonight's broadcast coming up. Elliot Freeman for our friends at River Cree Resort Casino will be the headliner on tomorrow's show. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news with Jalen and I and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.